0: Some guy pulled up to the charging station and he was looking at me like, you
1: dick. I can't believe you're at the 350 charging station. Okay, this is the future of street fights. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. Got Chuck Nice with me. Chuck, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Neil? Okay, professional comedian and actor. Yep. And acting like a comedian. Acting
0: like a comedian. <laughs> How's that working for you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's nice work if you can
1: get it. Oh, <laughs> so today, what a topic today. Long overdue. It's right? our electrified future. Yes, it's on. It's everybody's thinking about it. It's always in the headlines. What what path are we going to take as civilization in Mm. order to protect the very Uh, to survive? To to survive, to survive. Basically,
0: let's be honest. We're we're, we're we're on the path to doom right now if we
1: don't change. And yeah, well, I we'll, you know. we'll be here after climate change, but civilization won't. That's the difference.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything we have yeah. built
1: that we yeah. call civilization—it's it, not clear yeah. how that will survive. So we be what, everybody what, who survives in Kevin Costner. <laughs> Wait, well, oh, in in Waterworld, Waterworld, Waterworld. Okay, nobody yeah. saw that movie, so that I don't know. No, that's you, true. It's a, it's a, it's an obscure reference, you know. <laughs> Chuck, I carry some knowledge in this field, but for this mm-hmm. kind of topic, we need expertise, like centerline expertise. So we comb the landscape. We comb the universe, in fact, and we found, yeah. we found a PhD chemical engineer named David Reichmuth. David, welcome to Star Talk. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, did I say your last name correctly,
2: please? Got it spot on.
1: Excellent. Very excellent. You got a PhD in chemical engineering specializing in electric vehicles. This is a thing. And wow. you're a senior engineer in the clean transportation program of the Union of Concerned Scientists. I remember these folks from way back, deep Cold War era. So tell me what, who they
2: are and what you all are doing today. And presumably you're still worrying about nukes. Yeah, no, I mean, that was the genesis about 50 years ago in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, some MIT scientists concerned about the militarization of, of science, especially around uh, nuclear weapons. And, um, you know, and since that time, you know, we're looking at how do we bring the voice of science in, into, into policy, not just in terms of, of weapons, but now in terms of climate change and and the environment as well. Yeah. Okay, you got a lot so- to be concerned about there, David. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah. You got a you got a lot, you got a lot on your mind there. You got a lot on your mind.
1: <laughs> but they're very concerned people. This, very, is, this is right. Very
0: concerned. Yeah. It's, no, just, no, it's no, just a bunch of guys in lab coats sitting around stroking their chins. Right, like, right. No, oh. Chuck,
1: I can see uh, the, the crossover point. Will they become when they become the Union of Pissed Off Scientists? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs>
0: that is what we need. We need the Union of Pissed Off Scientists. I love
2: it. I, I think we're already there. But, yeah, but oh, yeah, no, yeah there you go, go. There you go. But we already got the website, so we'll, we'll keep the name for now. <laughs>
1: yeah. So you focus on energy
2: analysis,
1: transportation yeah. sustainability, both of things we need maximally in our modern civilization. And of course, they overlap. And yeah. zero emission vehicles. Nice. So, so which, which true zero emission, you, you,
0: you can't start with the vehicle light, right? True true zero emission, we gotta start with the
1: grid. Yeah, well no. where the energy's coming from, right? I mean that's right. that's okay. But let's back, let's back up for a minute. You specialize okay. in transportation. What fraction of our carbon footprint as civilization comes from transportation at this
2: point? Ooh, good Yeah. So if you look at the U.S., um, you've got man-made sources of climate pollution. Transportation is the largest single sector. It's over a quarter of all human-caused emissions in the U.S. And when you look at transportation, over half that comes from passenger cars and trucks. So passenger cars and trucks alone are more emissions than than residential and commercial buildings put together. And what about, when you say trucks, you
1: mean... Even even trucks for distribution of goods. Yeah, is that are you talking? Is that CDL
0: commercial trucks or is it? Yeah, you what kind passenger of passenger cars about? and trucks? Is that like our big
2: our big pickup
0: trucks and stuff? Yeah,
2: we're we're talking about the the pickup trucks and SUVs in in, in our driveways. Okay, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the half the emissions of transportation coming from passenger cars and trucks, we're just talking about regular old pickup trucks. Well, not, we're not driving just, trucks. Yeah,
0: yeah, everyday person driving around is. Half of all emissions—that's yeah. that's insane. Half that's, of all
1: transportation emissions, and
0: half of all transportation
1: emissions, yeah. And the other half comes from what form of transportation?
2: Well, that, that's that's sort of your your larger trucks, and then plane, um, shipping, uh, rail. But but really, it's most of that that is going to be your your larger trucks as well. Right. So it's it's the on road transportation is really the, the the bulk of emissions.
1: As the senior. Uh, Remember the three of us, the old fart? Uh, I I have deeper memories than you guys. I remember when air pollution simply meant the air was dirty. (laughs) So now the the air is pretty clean, all things considered. Clean in terms of transparency. But we now think of CO2, byproduct of, of combustion, burning fossil fuels, as a pollutant of sorts. Is that fair to say? And 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 do we add that to what is still a, a polluting forces in our environment, such as the burning of coal?
2: Yeah. So I mean, you can look at it in terms of climate pollution. And look, I mean, there's because it's such a huge part of our emissions. There's no way to like reduce our climate changing emissions without doing something about. Passenger cars and trucks. I mean, there's also the air pollution that comes from these vehicles, and they are cleaner than than the vehicles of uh, of, of 30 years of ago. My childhood, yes, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but there's still you know there's still um, you know air pollution that is causing um, yeah you know, health impacts from the, these vehicles. So yeah, you know, a lot of it is is coming from this uh, fine particulate matter, and so you want to and it's. Particles that are—it's PM two point five is a technical term. It's particles that are smaller than two point five microns or micrometers. So micron is a millionth of a meter. If I remember correctly, yes. is that correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And just sort of context, like so, if you have hair, uh, it's about uh, seventy. If you have hair, seventy microns. Hypothetically, if one had hair
1: on their head, <laughs> yes, right. Pull it out. Okay, I, yes. I don't take that for granted, but yes. <laughs> uh huh. For those just listening, our guest today is bald. Yeah.
0: Well, not, <laughs> not bald. He's Patrick Stewart Distinguished.
2: <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> so that's about 70 microns, is the average human hair. and, and the, So we're talking about particles that are 2.5 and smaller. So really, really tiny particles. Um, and these particles are coming from the exhaust, but in most cases, they're not coming directly it's it's actually nitrogen oxides volatile organic gases combining the atmosphere making combining with sunlight making fairly tiny particles and then those particles are going deep into your lungs right and that's coming because from of non- how small they are because yeah of how small so they, they are. can yeah. they go past you know all, all of the filtering that you have naturally in your nose and in your uh, and even in top of your lungs and they get deep into your lungs. They can even cross into the bloodstream. These are really, you know, that's where the most health impacts from air pollution is coming from these tiny particles. And it's not, when you say air pollution from vehicles, everyone thinks, oh, like a, a big rig like, or a bus belching, you know, a black cloud or, uh, you know, a, an old car that's, that's burning oil. But even a new car that doesn't look like it's putting out this pollution, it is leading to these really tiny particles that that lead to asthma
0: yeah uh, asthma, and yeah oh wow. so and 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 is the latest research that I read because I read a lot about pollution for climate change mostly but still, is that the previous thinking was that it it triggered asthma, but now the thinking is that uh traffic pollution is causing asthma, particularly for what you just said about the tiniest part of your uh, uh I forget the name of it, alveoli or something like that, um, that's where these particulates end up lodging. And uh, so it, it, it actually causes asthma.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's not just asthma. I mean, asthma is the most, you know, like when you think bre- breathing in particles yeah. to your lungs, you think asthma and you think, you know, sort of lung disease, but it's, it's also cardiovascular disease. It's low birth weight. Um, wow. It, it's a lot of different, Impacts beyond just asthma, but you know, this is these are this is pollution that that shortens people's lives. So, David, civilization is killing us. That's what you're saying. That's <laughs> no, I'm saying that. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I love that he went. No, I'm not saying that at all.
1: <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> I, I'm saying we 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 are ha- exposed to this pollution. Some of us um, more than others, and, um, and and we can get into that if you want, but. Um, but we have now these options to to reduce that. And so that's where okay, I'm at Okay, so like- one
1: of the options we've been told is switch over to an electric car. Electric Yay! cars have zero emissions at the car. Okay, I get that. I, all right, but they had to build the car. The car has weird ingredients in it that regular car, quote, you know, the ICE cars, uh, internal combustion engine cars don't have. And... That electricity is coming from somewhere, and I don't think it's all from solar panels
2: yet. So, tell me about how green a green car really is. Yeah. So, I mean, that is something that I've spent a lot of time doing analysis around. And so, you know, first, so you're the you right at, guy for this question. I, okay, I, 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 okay. I am the right guy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. first, let's look about like what well, you talked about the tailpipe pollution and that, yeah. So, a fully electric vehicle, obviously, no tailpipe. No tailpipe emissions. That's that's an easy one. And, and but you know, Chuck, as you said, hey, that's maybe not the whole story. That means that it's a it's a zero emission vehicle, maybe at the car tailpipe, but not um, overall. And so, what we need to do then is we look at the life cycle analysis. So we need to do an apples to apples comparison of the whole, looking at the whole process of getting that car recharged and compare it to refueling a gasoline car because that's what we're trying to see if it's better than right. That's the current technology. And so that means for an electric car going upstream and looking at, okay, what are the emissions from power plants? Um, and then beyond that, like if it's a coal power plant, a natural gas power plant, um, what are the emissions from getting that coal out of the ground or getting that methane out of the ground and getting it to um, the power plant? And so you have to add up all of those emissions. And then compare them to the same thing for a gasoline car. Obviously, you're burning gasoline in the car. So we have those emissions that are coming out of the tailpipe of CO2. But you also have all the emissions of getting crude oil out of the ground um, and then getting it to a refinery, turning it into gasoline, getting that gasoline um, to a refueling station. And so there's all those steps as well. If you do that, you find that electric vehicles have not zero total emissions, but they have much lower emissions than than a gasoline vehicle. So if you look at where EVs have been sold in the U.S., um, they have on average, the average EV has emissions about equal to an eighty-eight mile per gallon gasoline car, if one exists. Oh, that's so it's, amazing! It's, yeah, and that's that's based on the average EV. If you know, and it does depend on where in the country you are. Some places are going to be cleaner than others. Um, if you look in the average EV in like the Northeast part of the U S it's equal to about 110 miles per gallon emissions, a uh, gasoline car emissions. Interesting to think about it in that metric, because that would tell
1: the auto manufacturers keep using gas, but make me a hundred mile, mile per gallon car. And then it's, it. then you're, you're,
2: you're right. You're neck you're and neck. Equal now. Equal now. Achieved equilibrium. Yeah. The the only problem is you can't do that. There's like physics. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, uh, you just can't. <laughs> That pesky thing. That old pesky <laughs> thing. <laughs> physics.
0: God. What does physics again, have to do with
2: it? Come well, on, David. Again
0: with the physics.
2: Yeah, there's the maximum thermodynamic efficiency of a of a combustion engine, and, and it's pretty you, low. You know, it's very low. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, we're we're getting yeah, you know we're pretty close to you know you can get a um, you, know, you can get a, a gasoline car that gets up into the fifties mile per gallon range, right? With with some of the mm-hmm. the, the non plug in hybrids, but you can't really get further than that without doing you know a significant size change in the vehicle. I've got a fast story, which is a little bit of an off ramp, so.
1: Uh, We've had steam engines, like, forever, right? So why did it take until 1903 to make an airplane, which is just another engine, but now it's flying? And the problem was, to get enough power out of a steam engine required a steam engine that was so heavy, you could never get enough power to fly the damn thing, okay? Okay. And so all the experiments people were doing would say, oh, that'll never work. That'll never work. It was not until we had the internal combustion engine that, that the Wright brothers then put that in the airplane. And now you, it's much lighter compared with the power output. Uh, and then you, then you had airplanes. There it was. So, so the airplane was invented very shortly after the internal combustion engine car was invented. And so, so it's physics. The physics. You can't, you can't make a light enough steam engine to do this with. Are you saying that the the
0: moment that we go fully electric, we're going to have flying cars?
1: <laughs> did I, I didn't think I said that, did I? Did I, <laughs> David? I you didn't hear me say that, did you? I, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Introducing the all-electric Ford Mustang Mach-E SUV. Ford is electrifying its icons to keep the soul of driving alive while shifting towards an electric vehicle future. The Mustang Mach-E is an SUV with the bold style of a Mustang, which means you can make a bold statement and still be practical. The 2023 Mustang Mach-E GT Performance Edition SUV achieves zero to 60 miles per hour in 3.5 seconds. It's an EV with exhilarating torque and available features like electric all-wheel drive and a drive mode called unbridled. It has room for you, your people, and your things with five seats and a frunk, otherwise known as a front trunk. Experience the freedom and thrill of the drive while knowing your needs can still be met. Learn more about the all-electric Ford Mustang Mach-E SUV at Ford.com slash SUVs slash Mach-E. Due to high demand and global supply chain constraints, some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local dealer for current information. For the 0 to 60 miles per hour in 3.5 seconds, Ford test data is based on a typical industry methodology using one-foot rollout. Your results may vary.
1: Now, what about, uh, you haven't mentioned access to the rare uh, metals or other components of not only the battery, but also the, the significant computing load that uh, an electric car carries.
2: Yeah, so we also looked at sort of what are the emissions from, from building an electric vehicle. Because as you said, like the, there are emissions involved in making that battery. And so when you look at manufacturing a gasoline vehicle, manufacturing an electric vehicle, the uh, emissions for building that electric vehicle for, for global warming emissions are higher. And um, so there, there's sort of this, this uh, emissions deficit, but you pay off that debt in about, it depends on whether you're looking at a pickup truck or, or a car and depending on where you are, but on average for a pickup truck in about a year and a half of driving and about two years of driving for, for a car. Um, and so overall, if you take in both the driving and the manufacturer of the vehicle if you compare an electric pickup truck to a to a gasoline pickup truck it's it's less than half the total um, global warming emissions even when you consider the manufacturing of the battery okay so now what so now that's assuming
1: that the electric grid is being fed by traditional coal or or uh, or gas so if you can have an electrical grid that is green, either from tidal oh. or wind oh. or solar. And because I, I tell you, I had this moment some years ago, 20 years ago, I was driving an electric car, test driving an electric car. And I did it at a power station. And one of the, the I was going to call it spigots, but no, but one of the, the, the stanchions at the power station connected to their nuclear plant. And so we charged up this car from the nuclear plant and I drove around and I, I felt so, Zero carbon footprint in that moment. I, it, was very, it was it was a it was a remarkable feeling in that moment. I said, "Wow, I, not a single charcoal briquette was harmed in this, <laughs> or, or
2: not a not a single gallon of gasoline was used to to make this happen." Yeah, I mean that's a great point because um, you know all the analysis I've done is based on sort of historical data. So the most recent data I could get from the EPA. From um, 2021, so we're we're kind of looking back now, a couple years uh, when we do this analysis, and um, you know that grid is getting cleaner over time. You know, we've been at UCS. This we've been doing this analysis now for, for UCS for, is oh I'm Union sorry, Concerned Union Concerned Scientists. At Union Concerned Scientists, we've been doing this analysis now for for over ten years. When we first did this analysis, it the the results were a little more mixed, you know, because. We had almost half the power in you know in two thousand nine almost half the power in the U.S. coming from coal. That's now down below twenty percent uh, of the power coming from coal. Um, you know, renew, uh, renewables are now higher um, than than coal in the U.S. So we're making this transition, and those cars are getting cleaned up. And the cool thing about electric cars is that um, you know you if you buy a car. You know, five years ago, and the grid gets cleaner, that means the emissions are going down over time. Oh, for your car? Yeah, for your car. So it's not just like, you know, if you want to get a gasoline car that's more efficient, that has fewer emissions, you have to go out and get a new car that you know, has a higher MPG. Your electric car is going to be plugging into the same plug, but it's going to be getting cleaner as we clean up the grid. Even those old EVs are getting cleaner. That's amazing. So there's a book I read called Turning Oil
1: into Salt, and I forgot the, the two authors, co-authors of that, where, that, that made a fascinating point, which was you have a car that requires oil products, so gasoline, it'll only run on gasoline. So wherever your oil comes from in the world, you know about it because it's, stri- it's a strategic commodity. Salt used to be a strategic commodity. Because it was the only way you could preserve foods from one harvest into the next spring. And so your life depended on knowing where this salt come from and how much it cost. And in fact, the northern soldiers bombed the southern salt reserves during the Civil War um, as a strategic move to to put to continue the stranglehold on their ability to fight. So, Today, do you know how much your salt costs? Do you even care? Do you know where it comes from? You don't know and you don't care because we have 12 other ways to preserve your food. Refrigeration, freezing, canning. Um, it goes on and on. And salt is like a, a one of a dozen or more. So the thesis of the book was, if you have a car that does not depend on gasoline, that could run on 30 different types of fuel, Then the gasoline is no longer a strategic commodity. It just has Mm. to compete with 30 other commodities. Well, how big an engine do you have to have so that you can put anything in it and have it still run? Oh, no, just make an electric car, plug it into the wall, and on the other side of that plug is the sources, the multiple sources of energy that are competing with each other. There's an open marketplace, uh, our demands, what they supply. And so so an electric car does run on 25 different sources of fuel.
2: Is that a fair right, understanding of this, David? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the huge advantages that you can make electricity from cleaner sources and we can make that transition. And it doesn't mean, you know, your electric vehicle still plugs into the same outlet.
1: So the, the two authors there, I've got it, Anne Corn and Gail Luft. So uh, they're the two authors of that, of that book, Turning Oil into Salt. I thought it was a brilliant thesis there. So, David, are you at odds with oil companies here? Uh, why don't they just convert to green, or is that what they're already doing?
2: No, I mean, I, I don't think any of the petroleum companies are interested in in accelerating this transition to electric vehicles. Uh, I mean, they, you know, I think that, you know, at, at one point it was, you know, that these, these electric vehicles can't work, nobody's going to want them, nobody can use them. Uh, I think now that the opponents of electric vehicles are more in the mode of Yes, yes, yes. We'll make this transition, but let's just do it as slowly as possible. You know, we have we have thirty years of oil that we'd like to um, pull out of the ground and burn.
1: Yeah, if, if if fracking if fracking goes goes unchecked, it's more than that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah sure. but then after after we do that, then yeah, then we can make that. And transition. we'll do it, yeah. yeah. And we'll all be
0: dead. But guess what? I, I don't know who no. we're going to sell the oil to. You know, but but, we'll uh, just uh, yeah. we'll
2: just be living in a hotter, less hospitable world. Wait, wait, David. So, so let me ask,
1: let, let, let me come at this another way. Uh, I just try to stay open here. to Not so open that my brains spill out, but I want to just make sure all options are covered. Uh, you go back 120 years, there were horses everywhere. Uh, I'd see the old pictures in New York City. There were horses everywhere. Horse-drawn carriages and cabs and everything. And there's horse poop everywhere. Manure. And so the city stank. And there were flies. And and there were no supermarkets then. A lot of food merchants were just on the street. So the flies were in the food. And when I grew up, you didn't complain the flies were everywhere because that's just how everything was. Even in the deli, the flies all over. All right. You didn't want the flies, but you lived with them. You get rid of the manure, okay, then you get rid of most of the flies. So how are you going to get rid of the manure? Well, you could put something in the horse's feed, so maybe the flies don't like it. You put less bulk in there, so they poop less. There are all these solutions, and the solution really was the car. Okay, but no one was saying let's let's invent the car so that we don't have flies on my deli sandwich. It was there was just progress. So I recently saw a a a a, a, a news brief on this startup company that wants to pull CO2 out of the atmosphere. They they have this, this array, this like phased array of the raw ingredients that has everything except CO2 to make limestone. And they blow the air across it that this substance, this powdery substance grabs the CO2 and makes limestone. And then they take the limestone and bury it into the earth. These would be CO2 scrubbers, I think we call them. And if one of these was at every power plant, then we could control, in, in, a, in an act of geoengineering, control the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. And if we did that, and if we could do it, then you could burn as much oil as you wanted until there's not a drop left. And, and it will have no effect on climate change provided we this doesn't run away from us. So is there any thinking along those lines?
2: Well, I think what's a lot cheaper and easier is not putting the CO two in the atmosphere than the trying to trying to pull it out. Um, and so that is so the, the, the best thing you can do is just avoid it altogether. If you can walk, bike, take transit, um, take your electric bicycle, whatever, that's the best thing you can do. The, the second best thing is is to is to not to not burn the gasoline, not burn the oil at all. So really, that, that the solution to the uh,
0: um, anecdote that you gave Neil is get rid of the horses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the twenty first century version version of rid- that. It.
0: Just get rid of it. So yeah,
1: yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, and, and why? Well, but David, David, is- David, I I live in the in the real world here, and I interact with the public daily through my social media platforms, and. I care about how they think because I knowing that enables me to communicate more effectively, all right, so that my message is received with receptors that I know lives within them. And what I can tell you without hesitation is there's always some fraction of the population that's ready to change and modify their behavior and do whatever they got to do for Early the good of the sense. earth. And then there's the rest of everybody that says, I don't want to change a damn thing.
0: I feel and... change.
1: <laughs> so, for example, go back 150 years. We were still slaughtering uh, whales for whale oil. For, oil. for whale right, oil. To burn our lamps and everything. And the blubber was highly valuable. And there were people who didn't want to kill these majestic creatures. Were they successful? Not really. Yes, we stopped killing whales. But not really because they're saying no. We stopped killing whales because we found oil in the ground. Okay, we found <laughs> yeah. oil in the ground to burn instead of having to go out and risk our lives because that required no risk of life. Risking our lives with Ahab and uh, and and the great white Moby Dick. Moby Dick, right? All right. His name was Ahab, right? Right. Yeah, Captain Ahab. Captain Ahab. Yeah. So, so once again, things changed because not because you got billions of people to change their behavior, but because some form of discovery, technology, um, some, some addition to our civilization did not
2: require you to change your behavior. So... Yeah, no, I mean, you are right in that this, you know, we it's an, an amazing amount of change in a really short period of time. Look, if, if you look 15 years ago, the only people that had electric cars were people that basically had to make their own electric cars. Like, no, there were people car. who played golf. People who played golf. Yeah, okay. Golf carts. But there's a few people out there making their own like <laughs> electric cars in their garage. And then, um, and if you look at maybe like 10 years ago, you really had to go out of your way to get an electric car. There was only a few available. Um, they, some of them weren't really great at being a car. Uh, and you had to go out of your way to do it. And there weren't. There weren't a whole lot of them sold. If you look at today, we got in California, uh, tw- over 25% of new cars are plug-in electric vehicles. We are getting past the early adopters. We're starting to get into, um, you know, really into the mainstream, at least in parts of the U.S. Okay, wait, David, just, just so you know,
1: don't be so surprised because, back to the horses, New York City went from all horses in 1905 to basically all cars in 1920. You couldn't give away a horse 15 years later, and we civilization was built literally and figuratively on the backs of horses for thousands of years, and they were gone within 15 years. That was surely a bigger transition for anybody around at the turn of that century than going from combustion engine to electric cars today. David, are you, are you concerned, do I get to use that word in this way, are you concerned <laughs> about people's range anxiety, about whether they're going to run out of battery and there's no place to refill, and then they're stranded on the road? You, they, can't even, they can't even walk to the nearest station with a can. gas station and, and get and a br- can of gas. And, get, and bring the
0: can <laughs> of gas back. Excuse me. Do you have a twenty-five mile long cord?
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, the, the issue of like, where do you charge? For most of the people buying an electric car today, it's pretty simple. You charge in your driveway or your garage, um, and you, you know, okay. So is, instead
1: of filling up in, in the road, you fill up at home.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so that that's part of the thing is that you don't, you know, if you're driving, a lot of the cars right now. Have over two hundred mile range, so you're for most of your driving, everyday driving, you're commuting to work or you know visiting. For me, visiting family in in the Bay Area, like it's it's not really a question of where do you charge. I charge in the garage, and then you know if 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 it's low on range, I plug it in, and next morning it's full. You're good. Uh, It's really simple. Um, Now we do need those public charging stations so you can take those longer trips easily, or if you don't have the the, the ability to charge at home. Um, and so that's something that is, is happening right now is building out that, that, that charging infrastructure so that more people can use it. So I'm going to add to this. When
1: I was growing up,
2: uh, and
1: we saw a lot of plays. I grew up in New York City. The Playbill always had multiple ads for cars. And they always showed people driving on an open road and said, like, take a trip today. Go uh, take a drive. And, and uh, it's Sunday. Take a drive. And I, and I just thought that was the natural order of the universe, that when you got a car, you just f- found a place to drive to. The car wasn't a utility. It was an expression of your freedom. And I don't see that happening anymore. I don't, people say, oh, let's take a drive for 100 miles and look at the scenery and then come back. I don't see or maybe it's still happening. I don't see it. It could be that this range anxiety is a leftover from people who were thinking about taking a 200-mile car trip, but today just wouldn't do that anymore. You, you get on Zoom and talk to people, you know, what are you doing that for? What's the need? So yeah, why are you doing a, that for Because you got to be in the car with your family. Come on. <laughs> is that it? Okay. <laughs> so, so, David, I, maybe there's fewer trips that are even necessary.
2: Well, I mean, I think there is the case of like, I mean, look, you, people buy an electric car and they want to be able to see like, hey, can I get from Oakland to, to Boston? You know, can I drive there? It's like, you know, are there enough charging space? Not that they ever the did before. No. Okay, go on. And, or not yep. that I ever will, right? If I need to get <laughs> right. to Boston, I'm probably going go to go to the airport. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I don't want to have to drive for, for days on end. To do that, but you know, I think that people want to be able to see that, and it's something that you know, this is a transition that that is you know, we are still on the first steps of this transition, and exactly. and we are there are there's federal funding for in the bipartisan infrastructure law over seven billion to build out charging stations um, in the U.S. Um, a lot of the car companies are investing in charging uh, infrastructure right. to make sure that you can. Make all of those trips. Um, Now it's going to be a little bit different than a gasoline car. You might have to do a little bit of like planning, or or at least see like where the charging stations are. Especially they have apps for that now. Right? I mean,
0: I have an an electric car. It's an app that tells me when I get in the car, the first thing it says is where I can go charge.
1: Why Why don't the traditional convenient marts all have electric charging stations, or do they? I haven't noticed that. The charging stations tend to be in other places. I mean, it's it's
2: it's a, there are different there's different reasons why different charging stations are in different places, and it depends on who's buying the charging station, whether it's a car company or a, a for-profit, uh, you know, third-party charging company. But I think part of it is just that, like, it is going to take a just a different, slightly different mindset, and we are people that have where the norm is the gasoline car. And the the electric vehicle is the weird thing. And I have to do research. I have to figure it out. Okay. Like, if if we go to, if we went to a car dealership and said, like, I'd like to buy a gasoline car, they wouldn't spend time telling me, well, here's how you refuel it. Like, you know, here's (laughs) how it happens.
1: (laughs) Here's the map of gas stations for you. But I'm, you
2: know, if I was was maybe not an expert on EVs and going to, I might have those questions. Right. So it's a different mindset. Like, my daughter is 18. She learned how to drive on an electric car. That is the normal for her. I, when she was going, she went off to college this uh, this fall, and there are rental cars on her campus. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, do you know how to refuel a gasoline car?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no. I, I had to, we had to go to a gas station, and and like, okay, here's you know, you, you take the you take the nozzle out. You put here. You, here's how you do it, and and you know that is just you know... Plus, you don't want her to be one of those people who likes
1: the smell of gasoline. You know, there's some people... <laughs> but who are those people? I don't know who those people are, but they exist for sure.
2: <laughs> I mean, I know for... I mean, also for an 18-year-old, like, uh, instead of spending $70 at a gas station... Charging at home every day, <laughs> every night is is oh. is a great is a great deal. Oh, plus often the 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 electric
1: rates are lower at night, so it's very natural, yeah, to plug in absolute. your car. Overnight. Kilowatt hours are much cheaper at night, which is why yes. you got to yeah. plug
0: in, plug in at night, charge <laughs> overnight, guys.
1: Yeah. yeah, in any event, it's going to be cheaper than than gasoline. What is the compatibility among different uh, charging stations with the cars people buy? Because with all the gas nozzles, they match up no matter what brand of car it is. So did we have this issue
2: coming into this brand new marketplace? Yeah, so most most of the chargers at home were, were the same type. Uh, when we look at chargers though, for the fast charging, we had essentially three different plugs. Um, one plug that the Japanese car companies were using, one that the US and the uh, European car companies were using, and then one that Tesla was using. Um, now, pretty much all cars and all manufacturers from 2025 and onwards have said they're going to use the North American charging standard as the one plug. So right now there's still this diversity of plugs, but going forward, that's all going to standardize to one fast charging plug.
1: Okay. That's, that's, that's very hopeful. And I, I know we're still in the early days of this marketplace, but right now, if you compare the price of an electric car to that of an Internal combustion. There's a very big gap there. So, is are electric cars a rich people's game, and will that ever
2: change? I mean, as we're as we're getting more and more models out there, we're going to see both, you know, luxury cars, and we're going to see more recently priced uh, electric vehicles. One thing that is going to help is that the uh, federal um, tax credit um, has. Is is going to make that initial cost of the the electric vehicle more competitive with a gasoline vehicle? Um, starting in, in January of 2024, um, a lot of car companies are going to be able to offer that at the dealership. So you don't have to wait for your tax return; you're just going to get that um, just as 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 part of the you know taken off the sale price of the vehicle. So this is the
1: federal government basically investing in in the stability of its own energy future. Yeah. So you foresee a in, ne- in the near future, not only
2: uh, tax incentives, but also the uh, overall drop in price? Do you foresee that? Yeah, we're, we're seeing battery prices come down. I mean, they've, they've dropped dramatic, dramatically in the last decade. Um, and I think that's still going to happen as we start building more batteries, um, have that price of the batteries come down, which makes the price of the electric vehicle come down. The other part of it is that the upfront cost of these electric vehicles is higher, but the cost of recharging these vehicles is much lower than buying gasoline. So, on net, um, you're going to be able to have a total cost of ownership that's less. Um, but it is important to have those incentives. And less maintenance and repair, yeah. of course. Less maintenance and repair. No oil changes for the fully electric vehicles, no spark plugs. Um, it's, you know, it's a pretty simple um, electric motor. Um, so there's not really much maintenance. You know, you still have to change the tires, um, but uh, you, you got to put the windshield wiper fluid in. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So what about, uh, is there still talk of possibly swapping out a battery so that you don't have to wait the duration of time? Because not all charging stations are, are, are created equal, right? Depends on the voltage. And as I understand it, David, the charging rate goes as the square of the voltage, right? And so, uh, if I understand that correctly. So, you want as high a voltage charging station as possible, and then it goes rapidly. uh, Maybe in the time it takes you to have a cup of coffee. It's great. To the extent that those are not available, you can't, on a trip, say, I got to sit here for two hours and charge while I twiddle my thumbs. Uh, I, I I would have finished my cup of coffee in fifteen minutes. So what is it? Do you guys have a response to that
2: on the grid? Yeah, yeah. So on the latest charging stations, go up to the three hundred and fifty, ki- three fifty kilowatts. Um, and the 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 there's also a part of it that's dependent on the car. So some of the cars are built around an eight hundred volt architecture that can accept um, the maximum rate of charge. And so, those cars are cars that you can go from, say, 20% charge to 80% charge in, in less than 20 minutes. Um, and so, that that's is, really all you
1: need, right? I, that's all you that, need. That's, yeah. That's you yeah
2: need. And that is the case where, like, hey, like if you've been driving for, for two or three hours, yeah, like it's not bad to take a, a 15 minute or 20 minute stop, stretch your legs, get a cup of coffee, et cetera. And so, I think, I think that is part of it is that, you know, as we look into the future, more and more of the cars are going to be capable of doing those faster charges where it's, yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer than, than, um, than filling up with gasoline. I don't know. When I, t- when I take road trips with, with, with my kids, uh, you know, the, 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 the gasoline stop is not the one that, that extends my, my trip. It's the, it's the having to stop for the bathroom, having to stop for you snacks, stop right, right. then stopping for the bathroom again. And you know, so that, <laughs> those are the stops. And if we're talking about going 400 miles or something, then, you know, you're probably going to make a stop anyway.
0: Yeah, maybe two. And like you said, the fast chargers are amazing. They, they charge you, like, like you said, from, first of all, you're never going to zero because the, the car won't let you, it, the app tells you, hey man, you got to go here and charge. And secondly, so you're down around 20%. You're going up to 80%, you know, and sometimes even, uh, and it takes about 20, not even 20 minutes. The last time I did it on a 350 kilowatt charger, uh, it, it took me nine, 18 minutes exactly and I went to 92%, I remember. And the only reason I stopped is because some guy pulled up to the charging station, and he was looking at me like, you dick. I can't believe you're at the 350 charging
1: station. <laughs> so
0: I could see he wanted that charging station because there was only one 350 kilowatt Okay, this uh, is the charging. future
1: of street fights. Is exactly. Access to the high...
0: So I saw him about to park and I wait, I motioned to him. I was like, yo, man, I'm going to leave. And I just stopped. So, you know, I mean, but at some point, you won't have that at some point. I, I envision a time, and maybe it's me just being super optimistic, but I envision a time where municipalities will invest in charging stations. So instead of parking meters, you'll plug in, you'll pay your parking meter and a charging fee and the, and the city will make money that way. You know, I could totally see that happen. Stop
1: trying to give advice for how New York City can get more parking fees out of me. I know that's true. Stop, what is wrong stop with me? that? <laughs> stop. Okay. Um, Dave, we've got to sort of land this plane here. I got to. Oh, wait, the show is over? Before. Wait, I it know. Can't be.
2: No
1: I know. way. Okay, so this is David. so good. David, uh, can the grid handle 100% electric cars? The electrical grid. The power grid.
2: Yeah, it, it will be able to
1: if we do this right. That doesn't sound very encouraging. We will maybe if we sort of might be able to. Because, that's because, because be careful what we wish for. You want everybody to have electric cars? You have electric cars. Now we have to have brownouts or blackouts because the electric car is definitely drawing more power than my air conditioner did in the summer, right? When they're telling me to, 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 to unplug stuff because the power grid can't handle it. So yeah. what assurance do I have that on the other side of that equation, on the other side of the plug, the power is going to be there for everybody if everybody switches over?
2: I mean, that's a great example because your air conditioner, I mean, you need it when you need it, right? Like you you need it at maybe at, at 4 p.m. On a, on a summer day. Yeah. Um, and and you don't, you're don't. you not really interested in changing that to, to using it at 4 a.m. maybe. Right. And so that is the thing: is that most EVs are going to be parked for over twenty hours a day, maybe twenty-three hours a day, Um, and they're probably going to even at home actively charge for maybe two or three hours, even if you've been driving around. And so so it spreads. It spreads that out. Okay. If we can be smart about when those cars are being charged, like you only if you only need to charge for two hours. you know, it doesn't need to be at the same time. Okay, so so I'm making this up, but the power company could then
1: strategically price hour by hour what your fees are, forcing people to respond to save money by charging their cars at different times of day.
2: Yeah, I just got an email today from from Marin County Electric, uh, our Marin, Marin Clean Electricity, that that had an offer that if you Said, okay. I need if you have use their app and say, okay, I need to have my car fully charged by seven a.m. But you get, but you the power company get to pick when they would give you a rebate because that way they could money back. They could pick, and the great thing is that that lets you actually get more renewables on the grid because hey, look, if there's more wind power, or if it's during the day, like you know, it's 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 ten a.m. in the morning and Air conditioners haven't kicked on yet, but we have lots of solar power. Charge the vehicles then, oh, so you yeah, can sync up yeah. renewables and with the and with the source the cars. of
1: power that it is, without having to store it, you can just right. distribute it through the twenty four hour cycle. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's like obvious, but completely brilliant. At some point, the grid will be smart
0: enough, won't it, to to actually uh, kind of almost as a collaboration with the homeowner. To tell you, hey, you know, or, or to look at patterns and find for you the best time to do everything.
2: Yeah, and I think that's where we need to go. It's, but it's going to require that the car companies, it's going to require the utilities, the regulators all sort of working together. I mean, right now it's not an issue, but we want to lay the foundation so that when we do get all those electric vehicles out there, that this is all worked out and we're not trying to figure it out on the back end.
1: So have we solved this other than just batteries? Is there a more inventive storage mechanism for daytime
2: solar power? Or or does it have to be used as it gets generated? I mean, I think the easiest thing is that if we can use it when it's available. That is the best thing. And that's where EVs, both in passenger vehicles, also larger vehicles, Uh, trucks, school buses are a great example because they only get used usually like twice a day. And the rest of the time, they could be sitting there being charged. The other thing that we can do is that if everyone has a big battery in their driveway or or garage, is that we could even go one step further. Instead of just controlling when they charge, we could have them send power back to the grid when there is the peak load. Um, So that is the other... Step uh, is sort of not just controlling when they charge, but can they actually feed power back? Or if there's a power outage, can they power a home or even help power a neighborhood? Um, this all falls under vehicle to grid integration. And it is mm, okay. an incredibly important thing that is, is where we're just starting to sort of figure out the policies to make that happen. And,
0: real quick, is there any? Any plans to have, like, photovoltaic skins on a car so that the car itself becomes a recharging source?
1: In the daytime.
0: In the, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> stranded at night, okay? <laughs> but okay. Yeah. 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 There are people that have looked into that. There, there's a few models that have, have looked into doing that. But in general, it's hard to get enough. Uh, you don't have enough area. To really recharge oh, the okay, car, you need y- more area. And also, the other thing is you have to be parked somewhere that is um, sunny where you can use that. <laughs> and, and and it might not necessarily be at the right angle. Whereas if you have panels on the ground or on a roof, you you can angle them correctly and they're going to get sun. Oh, when it's sunny,
1: Chuck. We have a Star Talk episode of those guys who had the solar powered airplane. Do
2: you remember that? It right, was a few yes, years ago, yes. and that was the
1: interesting. First, uh, because transatlantic flight. They, and because they can fly above the clouds, of course, and get full exactly air, and then they talk about if they get high enough by sunset, then they can they'll slowly descend, like over hours and hours, but and get sort of low, but not too low for the sunrise to kick in and pick them up again. It was an interesting sort of dynamic about that. But anyway, yeah, and and their skin is is our solar panels on, on the airplane of course, they have wings. There's a lot of surface area there relative to a car, of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you can make a solar-powered car. It's been done. They, I think they had a race in Australia, uh, like, decades ago uh, where they did that. Um, but it involved having, like, one person laying down in this very flat aerodynamic car. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And so maybe not um, practical for, for, for not you. Not ready for kids. prime time yet. <laughs> yes,
1: okay. <laughs> Guys, we got to close this out. David, this has been delightfully informative, and I'm glad to know that you and others of your brethren exist in this world, being, of course, concerned about it. Uh, David, how do we find you, the Union of Concerned Scientists online? Where, what's your the website there?
2: Yeah, we are at www.ucsusa.org
1: and does it include do you collaborate with
2: uh, other s- s- other countries? Yeah, most of our work is is based in the US, but we definitely, you know, have, have some work uh, in terms of like the international So Dr.
1: Reichmuth, work. thanks for being on Star Talk. Oh, thanks for having me. So, hi right, Chuck, good to have you, man. Always a pleasure. All right, this has been Star Talk. Uh, a Union of Concerns Scientists edition telling us about the future of an electrified world. Neil deGrasse Tyson, as always, bidding you to keep looking up.